All right, y'all ready? Week three of the, of the series, The Unveiling. In week one, we talked about Bible prophecy. Remember that? Which is the revealing, the unveiling. You know, Revelations is, the book of Revelation is called The Unveiling, where, where God unveiled future things to John. But that's what, that's what Bible prophecy is all about. And we talked about the reliability of prophecy. How when God says it, you can go to the bank on it, it's going to happen. And we talked about how in years past, there's been many predictions, prophecies, men of God, women of God that prophesied things that have come to pass. Even this blood moon that was here Wednesday night that most people didn't have a clue was actually just fulfillment of what the Lord said would happen in the end times. And Isaiah 46.10 says, only I can tell you the future before it happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Now, the Bible is filled with God's predictions and his revelation of what he's planned for the future. It's filled with what's going to happen down the road. So in week two, we talked about and we tried to answer the question, what's next? What can we be looking for on God's prophetic calendar? And, and you know, there's many theologians and they have people in different camps. But the mainline theological, evangelical theologians are pretty much agree, agreement on this chart of this timeline here. That we had the first coming of Christ. We're in the church age or the church dispensation. And then next event is going to be the rapture, followed by seven years of tribulation. The second coming of Christ, a thousand years of millennium and the rule and reign of Christ. And then into eternity. That's kind of that's kind of the. The main thought, although some Bible scholars disagree on um, on this point, most believe the major the next major event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. Some people don't believe that they don't believe like the rapture and the second coming is all one and they won't be such thing. Some people believe that, you know, this earth is going to get healed. And that all of a sudden everybody's going to be nice. It's going to be peaceful. But according to Paul, the rapture is a mystery. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. In other words, we will not all die, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, imperishable will be changed. A mystery means up to that time it had been kept a secret, unexplained, unknown. But now... The Lord is revealing it. Paul says this mystery, the rapture, will happen in a flash in the twinkling of an eye in the last trumpet. Now, some Bible scholars believe the next major event is not the rapture, but the second coming. And Mark chapter 13, Jesus talked about the coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions and the work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch for you don't know when the master of the household will return in the evening at midnight before dawn or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. Now, I think that Jesus is telling us, regardless of our doctrinal stance or whether we believe um, in the rapture, the second coming, whether it's one, whether it's two separate. He said, be watchful. In other words, stay awake. Don't go to sleep spiritually. So although some disagree on the event of the rapture of the second coming, 
Most every Bible scholar that you read about, everybody that studied the, the scripture and followed the doctrine and the world and church history and all that, all of them agree that there's a tribulation period that is coming. And again, on the chart, you'll see that, you know, that there is, you know, whether the rapture or whether the, the second coming, there's tribulation coming. Tribulation means trouble. It means turmoil. In 2 Timothy 3, 1, Paul told Timothy, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. So Paul says you can be certain that as we get closer to the end, there will be very difficult times. Now that can really freak people out when you talk about that. It can really mess them up. And because they, they're so afraid of well, what will that really mean? What is going to happen to me? You know, everybody is a, don't like pain unless you, you need healing. But everybody is concerned about it. And the questions in everybody's mind, whenever you start talking about mention, uh, you know, these kinds of things, people ask the question, do we really know when Jesus is coming back? Do we really know what when that's going to happen? And other people are saying, are we living in the last days right now? And then some people say, what what should I got a baby competing with me to preach this morning? Where is that precious baby? All right. All right. I hear the voice, but I didn't see the baby. Okay, so and we should be most concerned. What should what should we be looking for as a Christian, as a believer, as a person living in Lafayette, Louisiana in 2014? What should I be looking for? Well, let's try to answer some of these questions this morning. And I'm sure there's many more questions that we could ask. But do we really know what when Jesus is coming back? Do we really know that? Well, let's just take a look. According to Jesus, Jesus said the exact or precise time of his coming is not known. That's what he said in Matthew 24, 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. So Jesus is saying no one knows the exact day and hour and even the angels don't even know that. And that goes beyond that. Not even Jesus himself knows that. Jesus said, I don't know when that's going to happen. So apparently the only one who really knows and can predict when Jesus is coming back is the father himself. Amen. And so listen, if somebody comes to you and says, God showed me when he's coming back. Don't believe them. Don't believe them because Jesus said nobody knows. Amen. Now, we don't know the exact time. He said nobody knows the day or the hour, but he warns the church not to go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. Matthew 24, 42, he says, therefore, stay awake for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. So Jesus warns the church not to allow the delay of his coming to allure us to sleep spiritually because you can you can go to sleep if you waited for something long enough and he says no don't fall asleep on me spiritually in revelation chapter 3 speaking to the church of sardis he exhorts them to stay awake in revelation 3 3 remember then what you received and heard keep it and repent if you will not wake up i will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I am coming against you. So he says, he warns the church of Sardis to stay awake spiritually. And if they don't wake up, then he says, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. 
So in other words, it seems to me that only those who spiritually asleep are really going to totally get caught off guard and it's going to be a total surprise whenever the Lord returns. Are y'all tracking with me? So although we know we don't know the exact time, we can certainly discern the season. We don't know the hour, but we can discern the season. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 1, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you don't have no, you don't have, you have no need, rather, to have anything written to you. About what? The times and the seasons. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So he's talking about the thief in the night again, but he says, I don't need to write to you about times and seasons. And so Paul says concerning time and seasons, brother, you don't you don't need me to write to you about that. In other words, you can figure that out. You can figure out about the approximate time the Lord is coming. Right. I mean, we, we don't know exactly when daylight is going to hit, but we know it's getting close. Right. I mean, we can discern that it's getting pretty close, right? And so he's saying, listen, although we don't know exactly when he's going to return, hey, just keep your eyes open and stay awake and know that the seasons, 1 Thessalonians 5, 3, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. You see that word again? Be awake. Be sober. And he says, listen, we are children of the light, not children of darkness. And so I think what Paul is saying here is that, you know who's going to get really surprised when the Lord returns? Those that are in darkness. Those that are walking in darkness. Remember, remember the scripture in Amos, he does nothing without letting his, his prophets know. So it's not going to be a total shock to the people of God. Amen. Are y'all still tracking with me? So do we know exactly when he's coming? No, we don't know. But we sure know that there is a season that he's coming. And we need to read our Bible. We need to study. We need to know what the season looks like. So when the fig tree starts blossoming, we know that spring is here. Amen? Amen. Now, the second question that we want to try to answer is this. Are we living in the last days? Are we living in the last days right now? You know, as you watch TV, as you watch all the crazy things that's going on, as you watch the world, national news, the question people are asking is, man, seems like things are like getting crazy and crazy. Are we in the last days? Well, Matthew 24, 3, Jesus said he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And so the disciples asked the question that everybody's still asking, what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? 
Now, you know, we talked about the end of the age doesn't mean like the world, the physical world is going to come to the end. What it means is the, the, this, the Jesus is going to come back and rule and reign. When it's going to be the end of the age of, of what it is right now and Jesus comes back and takes over. And so, so they asked for the sign. He, they, they were asking, how will we know that we are living in the last days? They wanted to know specifics. They wanted to know, hey, give me some specifics. I want to I want to know some specifics. And Jesus answers the question in verse uh, or in verse three. This is the question. They say, what sign? What sign will be or what will be the the sign? The sign means indication or mark. What will be the mark? What will be the indication? What should we look for? What should we keep our eyes open for? That will seem will, will help us know that we're we're there. Well, the entire chapter of Matthew 24, Jesus elaborates. He starts elaborating on the very question that they're asking. And we talked a little bit about this in week one, but I want to go further into it this morning. And I want to see. So what season? When do we know spring is here? When do we know that the fig tree is about to blossom? When do we know that the trumpet's about to sound? When will we know the signs are there for the coming of the end of the age? Six signs. We're living in the last days. Number one, the first sign we're living in the last days is increased spiritual deception. Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered and said to him, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will mislead many. So Jesus says, don't don't let people mislead you because people are going to come to you saying I am the Christ. And he says, don't believe them. So you know what that's saying to us in the last days? People are going to be misled spiritually more and more. In Matthew 24, 24, Jesus said, For false Christ, false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. So some people are going to walk around and they're going to say, I'm the Christ. And not only are they going to be saying, I'm the Christ, they're going to be doing signs and wonders. And he says, he says there in that verse, he said, They will be doing signs as wonders as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. You know who the elect are, people of God? They are, that's us. The elect are God's favorite, God's chosen, God's elected one. That's what the real meaning of the word means. The elect are God's redeemed, godly people. So what he's saying is that even, even Christians have the ability to be misled spiritually. So listen, that should sober us up. That should sober us up and say, wait a minute, I need to keep my spiritual antennas up. It's not time for me to take some sleeping pills and go lay down for a bunch of days, spiritually speaking. Are you all with me? Matthew 24, 11 and false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Deceive means to cause to stray away in error or from the right path. So as we get closer to the last days, this is one of the signs we can look for. False teachers, false prophets will arise. They're going to be doing miracles and causing people to be deceived, thinking, well, if they can do a miracle, then they must be the right deal. Well, listen, is spiritual deception currently happening in our world today? Well, let me just throw out this. Consider this. That entire denominations are changing their moral standards to satisfy, to satisfy those with alternative views and lifestyles. 
Don't you think that's an indication? Consider this. Witchcraft is one of the fasting growing religions in America. Does that sound like spiritual deception? Recently, recently they found out that there was over a hundred national born American citizens that have joined up with, with the Islamists and joined the group ISIS, who are, you know what they're doing? They're currently attacking and murdering Christians, trying to get them off the planet. Is that spiritual deception? Is that an indication that spiritual deception is becoming more and more rampant in our society? I believe it's a hearty, yes, it is. These are clear indications. Now, 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, don't make, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that, listen, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming. We know the Antichrist is coming, but he says now is already in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. He's already there. What is, what is the Antichrist spirit? Everything that comes against Christ is an Antichrist spirit. Everybody that resists Christ and Christianity. You see, people will say, I'm a Christian, but they won't embrace Jesus. They'll say, I'm a, I'm a believer, but they won't say, I'm a follower of Jesus. They believe in God, but they won't edify and lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus is what it's all about. Amen. So John says the spirit of the Antichrist is already working in the world. And, and, you know, Antichrist means those that are just against him. Now, I think it's clear that we're in increased spiritual deception, don't you? Second sign, we're living in the last days is increased wars. Matthew 24, 6, you will be hearing wars, rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened for these things must take place. But that is not yet the end. Now, the Bible says there will be an increase of wars. And in verse 7, he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against nation. Have you noticed the increased hostility among people uh, in the nations of the world? You know, just watch the news and you can see it, right? Matthew 24, 7 says nation will rise against nation. Now, whenever you read that, the way that I've always read that is that like, you know, Turkey is going to fight Syria. Russia is going to fight America, nation against nation. But you know what? In the Greek, that word means ethnos, meaning a race, a tribe or an ethnic group. And so nations doesn't mean country will rise against country. What it means is that a race, one race will rise up against the other race. One ethnic group will rise up against another ethnic group. One group of people with a certain set of values and standards will rise up against another person. And so in the end times, we, we will see an increase of hostility and fighting amongst uh, in, in racial, religious, and cultural parties. Well, can we see that right now? We, we have rioting in the streets right now in America dealing with this. And so Matthew 24, 7 says, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, country against country. Well, I don't think I need to convince you that that's rampant right now. Right. I mean, North Korea is threatening South Korea. Russia is invading Ukraine. Palestine is fighting with Israel. Kurdistan is fighting against Turkey, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on. Nations are fighting against each other. Remember what Jesus said. 
Jesus said this would happen in the end times that nation would rise against nation. Kingdom would rise against kingdom. That is part of what's going to happen as we head into the end times. Number three, a third sign we're living in the last days is increased national disasters. The Bible says the earth is groaning in pain. It's 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 under it's 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 in travail. Matthew 24, 7 says for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. So three things we need to keep our eyes on is is an increase of famine an increase of pestilence and an increase of earthquakes. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes represent national and social disasters. Now, famine means hunger from a shortage of food, right? And, and the biologists attract the food supply saying, man, we could get in trouble quick. I mean, think about it. When you think about it, seems like, you know, do you remember for Katrina or, you, you know, those of you that have been here for a while and a hurricane's coming and you say, well, I'm going to go get some milk and I'm going to go get some water and some plywood for my windows or whatever. Well, you better hurry up. Because if you don't get there before the other 150,000 people get there, there will be no water on the shelf, no milk in the shelf at Walmart. We used to go to Walmart and there it is. But all of a sudden people buy it up. And if the trucks can't come from Arkansas, wherever it is, where it's getting new supplies and get here to Walmart, you can go to Walmart and there's nothing to get at Walmart. And so we, we're so spoiled. We think, well, certainly, man, we're going to have bread and sugar. Well, listen, all it takes is a little bit of famine. All it takes is a little bit of messing up of our system. And all of a sudden, there's not enough bread to go around. Revelation 6, 6 says, the Lord, uh, then I heard, John said, I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a day's wage and three quarts of barley for a day's wage. And do not damage the oil and the wine. So what, what John saw was a day's wage was like 80 to $100. You A quart of wheat would be a day's wage. That's what he saw coming in the end times. In other words, as we approach the end times, what he saw was a food shortage. So it wasn't just famine, it was pestilence, meaning plagues or diseases. Plagues and diseases become more and more frequent. Wow. Well, this is a good time to be talking about this. Medical facilities across our nation right now preparing for the Ebola outbreak. Did you hear this week in Lafayette, supposedly somebody ended up in one of our hospitals and, and supposedly rumor went around that he had Ebola? Did y'all hear that? It was on the news. You're doing good. You don't watch the news. You're doing yourself a great favor. You see, you didn't even have to worry about that. But, you know, the thing about it is that, you know, you know, listen, we you know, they they dealt with measles. They dealt with mumps. They dealt with some of these diseases that was way back tuberculosis, all this stuff. We haven't had any of that. But now they're like, man, we got these people coming in from Africa and, and they say, man, it's just getting rampant over there. One in four people uh, could possibly be affected. And so now they say, well, man, you know, what happens? Like, the, you know, this thing could just like, this thing could just. So right now people are like, hmm, man, wow, you know, we, we need to be a little bit concerned. Well, Jesus said in the end times, pestilence, meaning plagues or diseases, will become more and more rampant. And then he says earthquakes will increase. You know, that's when the plates of the earth shift, causing 
the shaking of the earth and the ground. Well, the New York Times came out and said that we have had more earthquakes in the last 10 years than in the previous 100 years. So one of the signs that we're getting closer to the end is an increase of famine, pestilence, and earthquakes. So how do we know if we're getting closer to the end? Look and see if we're starting to, people starting to talk about food shortage or, or pestilence or earthquakes. See, just look and see, because that's going to be one of the signs. In Matthew 24 and 8, Jesus said, all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. In other words, uh, it, it just, uh, it's just the beginning of what's to come. Now we know about birth pains. Those of us that, you know, uh, been around birth and, or your wife has had a baby. We, we know two things about labor pains. Number one is the increase in frequency. Closer you get to having that baby, the increase in frequency, number one. But number two, they increase in intensity. Right, moms? And all the moms said, amen, preach it, brother, preach it. Come on, preach fire down right there. But we all expect that to happen when a mother is getting ready to deliver a baby. And the scripture is saying that's what we can expect. Now, the fourth sign we're living in the last days is increased Christian persecution and falling away. Matthew 24, 9 says they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations. Why? Because of why? My name. They're not going to hate you because you say you believe in God. They're going to hate you because you say you believe in Jesus Christ. Another sign that we're living in the last days is an increase of hatred towards Christ and his followers. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the world is becoming more are less hateful and hostile towards Christians. Yeah, I mean, it's just... The hatred of Jesus and Christians is increasing every day, but it's another sign. You used to could bring your Bible to, to school, and they thought it was a good thing. Now, you can bring a book on witchcraft, and it's okay. But if you bring a Bible, they gotta, you got to get out, because that, that's not right. We're calling evil good and good evil. What is that? A sign? It's a sign to come. What we need to remember is that Satan hates Christ and he hates Christ's followers. And that's what we're dealing with today. You know, we tend to just say, well, it's those liberals. You know, or it's that party or whatever. But no, what's fueling all this is Satan, he hates Jesus and he hates you as a Christian because he knows this time is short. Revelation 12, 12. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. Verse 17 says, Then the dragon was enraged that the woman went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So the resistance and hatred we're experiencing is really satanic in nature, and it, it's part of the end times signs. And listen, there's going to be a falling away of Christ's followers as a result. Matthew 24.10 says, At that time many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. You know, I believe persecution, gets as it gets worse, Christians will begin to... Leave Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Christ-honoring churches. If they, if they don't 
If they don't have a doctrine that fits what their convictions are, they're going somewhere else. And I believe there's going to be people that are looking for a compromising church with a compromising gospel that can live their life like they want and nobody's going to say anything about it. It's going to be part of the end times. And I think as we get closer to the end, half-hearted, half-committed Christians will begin turning away from the Lord and going back to the world because they don't have enough spiritual spine to stand up and say, though you slay me, yet will I serve him. Come on, are y'all with me today? A spiritual purging in the church, I believe, will take place as we get closer to the end times. So why am I saying that? I don't want to be that person. What about you? I don't want to be that person. A fifth sign that we're living in the last days is this. Violence, crime, and immorality will increase. Matthew 24, 12. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Lawlessness means having no conviction of right and wrong. And it means you you prescribe to the notion that anything goes, and if it feels good to me, then it's got to be good. You don't listen. As lawlessness increases... People's hearts will be given over to crime, to hatred, to violence, and to immorality. That's the signs of lawlessness. So the closer we get to the end, the more of this that we're going to see increasing. And Jesus said, if you see it increasing, just know that we're living in the last days. And finally, a sixth sign that we're living in the last days is this. Spiritual revival will take place. And this is the favorite part of this whole point to me. Spiritual revival will take place. I believe because of the increased hostility and persecution of the church, it's going to make the church stronger. I think as the world gets worse, the church, the church people, the God fearing people will get stronger. Listen, I don't know if you've ever been to a third world country and went to third world churches where they don't have the luxuries and the liberties and the privileges that you and I have. And they don't have much when it comes to material things. But brothers and sisters, when you get in one of their church services, the glory of God comes down because they are just totally committed to the things of God. Amen. Because they have faced hostility. Their lives are on the line for, you know, listen, I don't remember the last time I had to either deny Christ or lose my life or, or I was threatened to be martyred for, for being a Christian. I can't remember one time that I really had to face that. Do you? Have you ever faced that? Well, listen, you know, people in other countries, they're losing their life every day for the cause of Christ. But my goodness, while that's happening, the power of God has fallen like crazy. Amen. I believe in the last days we're going to see a great, a great spiritual revival. Matthew 24, 13 says this. The one who endears to the end will be saved. Those who endure means those who don't get discouraged and get up, give up. Those who those who don't get sucked into the world system and, and turn away from God. Those who endure, they're going to be saved. I believe in the last days we're going to see the miraculous power of God in our churches and on the earth. It's going to God's going to move in Acts chapter two in verse 17. It says in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
And listen, I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. And here it is. And the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. Well, whenever I read that, the blood and the moon into blood, like it's going to be bleeding. But, you know, you know, those that study this say, well, when you get a lunar eclipse, it it looks like the moon is red like blood. And they call it a blood moon. And so years ago, the prophet Joe saw this coming. He, he maybe couldn't explain it, but he just said, this is what I see. This is what's going to happen. But I believe as we get closer to the end, we're going to experience the, the tremendous power of God. We're going to see miracles. And we're going to see a harvest of souls that really are just kind of just messing around right now. But God, you know, I think he's going to he's going to shake the earth a little bit. And those that are on the fence, some of them are going to fall off on the wrong side, but some of them are going to be running towards God. Amen. Amen. So that's what we can look forward to. That right now where everybody just like you got to, you know, you you can be anything else but be a Christian and that's not going to be popular. Matthew 24, 14 says this. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. You know, you want to know what's keeping the next great prophetic event from happening on the earth? This verse right here. When the gospel of the kingdom is preached, a testimony of Jesus comes to all nations, then the end will come. So according to Jesus, the only thing holding the Father back from sending Him is He's waiting for everybody to hear about Jesus. He's waiting for every tongue, tribe, and nation to hear about Jesus. And you say, well, how is that ever going to happen? Because I hear there's all these people that haven't heard. Well, technology is given the ability to send the gospel to places that it's never gone before. I mean, there are people getting saved. A million people a day are getting saved. You know, the missiologists believe that, you know, as much as 92 to 98 percent, this was probably seven years ago, they believe that anywhere from 92 to 98 percent of the world has heard the gospel. But when everybody hears and everybody's had a chance, that's it. That's it. He's coming back. Now, let's go back and ask the question again. Are we living in the last days or not? Now that you've heard what Jesus said were signs, indications, and marks that the end times were coming, what do you think? Do you see buds on the fig tree? Or do you see we're still in the dead of winter? Do you see spring coming? He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. I think that God don't want us to get caught off guard. We don't know the day and the hour, but we can sure know the season that we're in. Amen. So why, Ty, why do you want to talk about all this bad news, man? To make us prepared, to get us ready. So we don't listen to the news and we say, oh, my Lord, what's happening? Oh, go back and read Matthew 24. Let's go read it slow and then to help comfort you knowing that, listen, Jesus, your Savior, your King, your Master, He's in control and you are His child 
And you know, as a natural mother or father, you do things to help your children and your heavenly father. He's going to throw you a life ring when you need it. Amen. He's going to provide you an ark whenever the earth floods. Amen. He's going to part the Red Sea when he needs to part the Red Sea. He's going to help his people. So now let's conclude by saying, what should we be most concerned about? Well, concerning everything we've been talking about, if the rapture is the next thing that happens on the earth, shouldn't we be preparing for that? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we be preparing for the rapture if that happens next? Well, then the question is, how are we going to know when that's going to happen next? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. Because we won't know. Everything we just read in Matthew 24 is about his second coming. It's not about the rapture. First Corinthians 15, 51 says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In other words, some people won't die whenever the Lord comes. And in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the last, and at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised and perishable and will be changed. The trumpet is related to the Jewish feast. And we don't know much about that, but it's related to the Jewish feast. The Jews know what the last trumpet means according to their feast. And they have a better idea of what that means when the last trumpet sounds. But he says here in a flash and in the twinkling of an eye, how long does it take you to blink your eyes? How long does it take you to get flashed by a light? Not very long, right? You see, so they won't be really any indication according to what scholars believe. So these signs that we just talked about is about something that happens later after the, the coming of the Lord. First Thessalonians 4, let's read it again. It's about what Paul saw. Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who have died or fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Do y'all believe that? And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep or died in him. Verse 15. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep or who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with a voice of the archangel. And here you go again with a trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. The Bible talks about the resurrection of the dead. Like Jesus was the first fruits. He was raised from the dead. But every believer is going to be raised from the dead. Verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together. That's the word that people rapture means caught up together. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar. I've studied the Bible quite a bit. But I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't know. I, I, I lean towards the Bible scholars who have studied it and point out in the scripture what's coming down the pike, right? But if there is a rapture in the twinkling of an eye and people are caught up with the Lord, first the dead will be, and then we who are alive will be caught up with the Lord in the air. 
And all of a sudden, Christians are going to take be taken off the earth. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Lord, I don't want to miss that party. What about you? We say, what if it doesn't happen? Well, if it doesn't happen, I still don't want to get caught off guard when all these signs are increasing because I'm going to need the Lord like I've never known him before. Amen. But man, um, if he does come and he raptures the church and those that are walking with him. And, and, and as he said, uh, two men are going to be in the field. One will be taken. One is going to be left. I don't want to be that dude that's left in the field. If that really happens. Amen. Now, listen, you know, we could debate it. We can argue and all that. I don't know, man. But I, it says there's going to be a trumpet that's going to sound and, and people are going to be caught up. And, and I don't know about the Hebrew and the Greek and all that. But I know that he says he's coming back and he's going to come back. And when he comes back, whether it's at the rapture or the second coming, I just want to be ready because I don't want to be left behind. How about you? Amen. Regardless of what happens, man. I don't want to be left. Amen. And so, my goodness, I need to be walking with God. I need to be walking with God every day. I can't be playing games. I can't be acting like a Christian in church and not Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. I need to be living for Christ 24-7. Because what if he comes back and I'm sleeping hard? And I'm snoring. And I don't even hear the trumpet. What if I'm not ready when I go to bed and he comes back before I wake up? What's going to happen then? That I don't have time to say, Jesus, I've been in rebellion. I've been going against your ways, but I'm sorry. I want to get right. Oh, my goodness. I don't want that to happen to me. Oh, man, I want to be ready. What about you? Don't you want to be ready? Don't you want to be ready? You know, last weekend, not this weekend, last weekend, there was a young man that was murdered in Dusan. That brother was sitting right here in the church for several Sundays. He came to men's meeting not long ago. I got the consolidation form right here. He surrendered his life to Christ in our men's meeting. He didn't know he was getting to, he was only just having a few months left to live. Now he's facing eternity. I mean, man, you know, the rapture, the second coming, the tribulation. What about if this thing right here just stops? I can't live without it. If it don't keep pushing blood through my body, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going back to dust in a hurry. So more than I'm worried about the the rapture and the second coming, although I want to be ready every night when I go to bed, I want to be ready. But more importantly is whenever I put my head on the pillows, am I going to wake up in the morning? Right? So you see how close we are to eternity, brothers and sisters? We're just like on thin ice. Life, we're, we're on thin ice. In any moment, any time, that ice can just crack. And that's it. We're in eternity. Are you ready? Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer.
Are you ready? Would you, those of you that are Christians, begin to pray right now? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Is your heart ready? Are you spiritually ready? Are you, are you where you need to be with Jesus? Would you just close your eyes and begin praying right now? If you're in this room right now and you say, Todd, I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian. I don't know that I'll spend eternity in heaven, but I do want to know. I don't want to have a doubt. I don't want to wonder what day in and day out. I want to know that my eternity is secure and that I'm right with Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand and wave it up here at me right now. Just wave it at me and say, Todd, would you pray for me? All right. I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on, just raise your hand and raise it high. I want to pray for you right there, right there where you are because your eternity needs to be set secured in Jesus Christ. Amen? What we really need to be concerned about the most is meeting our maker and giving account for our life. Listen, if you're right now needing to open up your heart and surrender to Jesus, I want you to just, we're all going to pray this prayer. Would you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you. For dying on the cross. For shedding your blood. So my sins could be forgiven. And I could be saved. Saved from myself. Saved from my sin. Saved from the enemy. And saved from wrath. Lord Jesus. I need your salvation. And I'm asking for it. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you give me a new heart and a new life? I want to live for you. I want to serve you. Help me, Lord, to be bold in my faith and to live for you all the days of my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me today in your family and in your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody that agreed said amen. 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 You know, it's a funny thing. But after preaching something like this, I, I am one, I'm more determined to live for Jesus than ever before. Amen. Aren't you? I hope that's how you feel. Well, come on, let's go out there and live for Jesus and be bold in our faith. Amen.